thank you as I normally do to this church. Thank you to all of you wonderful people. You're so very kind and beautiful and awesome. And I don't know where I would be without Jesus. And I definitely don't know where I would be without this church. And I'm so thankful that the Lord brought me to this place to be with you people, to allow me to be family with you people. I, I thank Bishop. He gave me a word before I came up here. And I appreciate my pastor. I thank pastor. Don't you love pastor? Man. He is, he, is, he is so cool. He is so cool. And pastor, if I get any kind of out of line tonight, you give me the look. And I'll sit back down, okay? <laughs> um, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. Verse 36, I apologize to the hyphen and those that were in hyphen on Thursday as you heard parts of this message. Um, I apologize that I didn't preach it probably as good as what I could have. And I apologize that you're going to hear it again. Because I think that it really needs to be hit home, especially with some of us us, um, us younger adults, us single adults. Um, I think it really needs to hit home with us. Um, Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 through uh, 41. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill and one shall be taken and the other left. You can put down your Bibles, lift up your voices one more time as we begin to pray, as we begin to praise the Lord and thank Him for what He's going to do. Lord Jesus, I love You, God. I thank You, Lord Jesus, for the presence that we felt. I thank You, Lord Jesus, for what You're going to do in this house. I thank You, Lord, for everything that You've done for us, God. And I'm praying, Lord, that You would help me, God, to preach the Word which You've given to me, Lord. I'm praying, Lord Jesus, touch my mind and touch my heart and touch my tongue to speak the Word of God in the way that You want it spoken. In the mighty name of Jesus. We pray, amen. You may be seated. It is this passage of Scripture found in Matthew chapter 24. It is commonly referred to as the Olivet Discourse. It is here where we find the disciples of Jesus. They wanted to know. What is the sign of of your coming to be? And what is the sign for the end of the world? And Jesus then responds to them in verse 4 through 14. He says, 
And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver up to, shall deliver you to be, um, uh, to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. This and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Jesus then continues to give some more insight about what was to come. He tells of Jerusalem's destruction and the rise of the abomination of desolations. And he talks briefly about the rise of different false Christs. And then he speaks of his second coming. And it is in the middle of this discourse that Jesus makes this statement. But as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when you will see my second coming. The days of Noah could only be characterized in one way, and that is desperately wicked. Because in Genesis 6, verse 5 through 6, it says, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of his thoughts, of his heart, was on evil continuously. And it repented the Lord that he had even made man on earth, and it grieved him in his heart. Think about that. The Lord looked on the world and he seen that the imagination of the thoughts of all men's hearts were on evil continuously. The world was so wicked, was so evil, was so desperately wicked that the Lord looked down and it grieved the Lord in his heart that he had even made man. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the the darkness that must have covered the earth and the darkness that must have covered the people? Friends, I don't know if you've looked around or not, but the world is getting crazier and crazier. Wickedness is everywhere that you turn. Randy had just told me some uh, crazy, or he was honestly talking to Jonathan. I was overhearing him. I was kind of eavesdropping. I'm sorry, Randy. He was telling me that, I don't know, he's saying that they've now come out and said that there are 63 different genders. And like two years ago, there was only two. And I don't know what happened, Randy. (laughs) People are so confused. (laughs) Randy said, I don't know, I'm just a country boy. I'm picking on Randy because he said that he'd be in my amen corner and all I had to do was give him the sign and he'd, amen. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, there are wars and rumors of wars. At the beginning of this year, there was a rumor that Russia was going to invade Ukraine, and now it's a real thing. 
Nations have rose up against nations. There have been famines. And then to top it off, the world has just seen the biggest pandemic in nearly 100 years, starting just two years ago. I mean, anybody heard of COVID? I hope, I hope so, because if you haven't, you've been under a rock, and I want to know where you've been living. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing about COVID. <clears throat> the world is crazy. It's insane. And every, every time you turn on the news, somebody's being shot. There's a, there's a mass shooting going on somewhere. There's, um, it's just crazy in, in Washington. I don't even know how to even begin to talk about Washington. They're, they are insane. And you'd think that like you, 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 if you had real moral, a real moral compass and you're trying to pass legislation, you wouldn't pass some of the stuff or be fighting to keep some of the stuff that's around around. In 2 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1 through 7, it says this, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Perilous times have been coming. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, hate, heady, 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 high minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Does that sound familiar to anybody? It sounds so much like this generation. It continues to saying, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away by the, with diverse lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Take a look at our, our universities, and I'm not saying anything against. If you want to go to college, that's totally fine. But you take a look at some of these things that they're, that they're doing. They're ever learning. They're constantly going forward in knowledge. They're constantly learning so much more about mathematics and, and, and particle science. And uh, Chris Scott could tell you more about all that stuff than I can because I'm, not, I'm just a city kid, dude. I didn't, go, I didn't even graduate high school. I can't tell you about all that stuff. But they're constantly learning but they're never able to come to a real knowledge of what truth is. My friends, the signs of the times, they're all around us. And I know you might be sitting there. I know you might be sitting there thinking, well, Tanner, I've heard all this stuff for years. I've heard about how Jesus is coming back. I heard how he's coming back two minutes, two minutes ago, you know, and, and it's, it's been the same. Uh, and, and he's not coming back anytime soon. I actually heard this whenever I first got into church. Right, I was getting into church, and I was talking about, uh, man, you better get saved, because I don't know whenever Jesus is coming back. You know, I'm, and I'm being for real. I really don't know when Jesus is coming back. I live my life like Jesus is coming back in two minutes. right? But I prepare like he's not coming back for 50 years. I actually heard Brother Urshan say that one time. I've got to live my life. I've got to stay ready. I've got to stay clean. I've got to stay holy. I've got to stay prayered up. I gotta stay in a place of fasting. I gotta stay in a place of walking in the spirit because Jesus could come back at any moment. And if you don't believe that, then you better watch out because things are just wrapping up 
faster and faster and faster than ever before. And in fact, Second Peter, Second Peter, Second Peter, Second Peter, chapter three, verse three through four says, "Know this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers." walking after their own lust, saying, where is the promise of his coming? Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers have slept, all things have con- are continuing. All things have continued just as they were since the beginning of creation. Where is his coming? Where is his coming, Tanner? I don't know, but I can tell you it's soon. If the, if the disciples and if the apostles preached that Jesus was coming soon back then, How much more should we be worried that he's coming back soon now? I've got to tell you something, friends. It is now more than ever that we need to be on guard. It is now more than ever that we need to be careful to not be lulled asleep by the spirit of this world or by our own wants and desires. 1 Peter uh, 5, verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. First Thessalonians 5 and 6 says, Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. We have to stay on guard. And my friends, we cannot continue to live life, and we cannot continue to be living, living life as normal. At the beginning of COVID, there was plenty of talk about this thing called the new normal. Anybody remember that? Is the new normal. You're going to have to always stay six feet away from somebody. You can never hug anybody. Don't ever even think about wearing a mat, not wearing a mask around someone. Man, if you're not vaccinated, you're, you're, you're vaccinated. Vax, vaccinated, you're the weird guy, right? <clears throat> it's the new normal. We got to get adjusted to the new normal. And I, I, I can just imagine that, that most of you had to have been irritated just as much as I was about hearing about this new normal. You got to stay indoors. Don't go outside. And in fact, we're going to give you, a, we're, everybody is now eight and you got a curfew. You got to be inside whenever the lights on the street turn on, right? It's so weird. They were, control, they were trying to control our lives, right? But after getting back from Brazil, I'm starting to think that maybe it is time for a new normal. What if our new normal had no more dead, dry services? What if our new normal had no more weak, lifeless prayer meetings? What if our new normal was to see revival in the hyphen, to see revival in our youth groups, and to see revival in this whole church? What if our new normal was to walk in the middle of the street, find somebody, and pray them through to the Holy Ghost? What if our new normal was people calling us up in the middle of the night saying, friend, I got to get baptized. You got to get me baptized right now. I got a revelation. I got a revelation of who Jesus is. Please take me to your church. Please fill up your bathtub. Baptize me right now. Friends, I believe that God is calling us to break out of normal. God is calling us to break out of our comfort zones. Whether that means coming to the front of this church to get the Holy Ghost, 
whether that means being comfortable. And I'm talking to somebody on, on, the, on the live stream right now. I'm talking to somebody here maybe. Whether that means coming to the front to get prayed through, pray through your, your, your situation, your disease, whatever it is. Whether that means you get a little uncomfortable and you're like, I got to get baptized right now. Or just raising a hand in your in your in your. In your your, your seat and your pew just to praise the Lord a little bit. Maybe it's just to sing along in the songs. Maybe it's to shout hallelujah. I don't know. What, 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 if, it's, what, if, it's, what if it's teaching Bible studies? How many of us say, I can't teach a Bible study? Man, you got to get out of your comfort zone. You got to start teaching Bible studies. What if it's having more dedicated time to prayer? What if it's having more fasting? What if, what if it's witnessing to somebody on the street? Whatever it is, God is calling us out of normal. He is calling us out of our comfort zones. We must, I'm sorry, I'm, I just got over a little, little coughing fit, man, like a couple, couple days ago. And man, I'm, I'm starting to get too, too rowdy and my voice is starting to get scratchy. Friends. We got to get bold and break out of the natural. We got to break into the supernatural. We need to start praying until we start to see the supernatural things of God. We need a demonstration of the Spirit in every one of our services. We need a demonstration of the Spirit when we are witnessing or whenever we're on outreach, or we're in, when we are in Bible studies, when you're on the job, wherever you are in your school, we need a demonstration of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 through 5 says, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, and that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul didn't preach with the wisdom of men. Paul didn't preach to, to itch your intellect. He didn't preach so that we could be in, entertained, but he preached with the demonstration of the Spirit and with the power of God. <clears throat> we need to break out of mindsets. We need to break out of mindsets that think just about ourselves and our own lives and get into mindsets that are set on furthering the kingdom of God. Think about this. Think about our prayers. How much of my prayer is focused on me? And I'm totally okay. Man, I pray for myself all the time. There's nobody that can pray for me like me. I'm just being honest. Jeremy, I, I, you're a prayer warrior. Man, your wife is a prayer warrior, and I believe that y'all can pray. But you can't pray for me like I pray for me. You can, you can intercede, and I, don't, don't take that like, I, I want you to pray for me, Jeremy. But nobody can pray for me like I pray for me. But the thing is, is how much of my prayer time is focused on me? How much of my prayer time is just focused on what I'm going through or my ministry or, 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 or my job or my situation? What if we come in here and begin to prophesy? What if we come in here and begin to prophesy about this church? Begin to prophesy revival into the city of Catusa? What if we had a dedicated time of prayer to really prophesy and begin to see the things of God? What if we could get a hold of a vision? What if we could get a hold of the vision of global harvest? Get outside of our, of our own city. Get outside of our own state. Get outside of our own nation and begin to prophesy global harvest. 
We cannot afford to build little kingdoms on this earth. But we must always be thinking about how to build his kingdom. It is time that we lay down our lives to walk in the fullness of the calling of God. We need to lay down our desires, our hopes, our dreams, and our ambitions to pick up the life that Jesus wants to give us. I'm going to probably butcher this, but I, I don't think Katie wants me to call her up here to talk. To, Pastor, is this okay if I call my wife up here? Okay. Are you all right? I want Katie to come and share a dream. She shared this with me, and man, it's so powerful, and it fits so perfectly. I actually asked her to write it down because, <laughs> because I knew she wouldn't want to come up here and talk, but she didn't write it down, so. <laughs> um, the thing that I struggle the most with is trying to control everything, and the Lord for years has been dealing with me on letting him have control. And several years ago, I felt like the Lord either gave me a dream or a vision in prayer or inspired a short story. I cannot remember at this point which one it was. Um, but I was in this log cabin in the woods, and I was all by myself. And at the back of the log cabin, there was this wall with shelves on them with snow globes of just like my hopes and my dreams and my plans and my expectations um, and just desires of mine. And they weren't anything wicked. They were just simple things like a desire to have a family and a desire to maybe go into missions or whatever it was. Um, and I had placed each snow globe so perfectly on the back. And I, when I was done, I just stood back and I was just honestly like a little bit proud. I was like, wow, this looks great, these are great plans, you know, it's perfect, you know, everything's fine. And all of a sudden, like, one by one, they started to fall down and break. And the first one, I didn't really realize what was happening, but just, like, one after the other just kept falling. And I immediately ran to the wall, and I was trying to, like, pick up the shattered pieces, and I was trying to put the broken glass back together, and the water just went through the floorboards and there was nothing left of it and all of them fell and I was kneeling down on the glass and my hands and my knees were just bleeding from the desperate attempt to put everything back together and there was a door right next to the wall and I felt like the Lord opened the door and he came through and he basically just asked me to come with him and to leave my expectations behind and just go with him through that door. But all I wanted to do was just put all the pieces back together of everything that I had planned. And the Lord pointed out to me my hands and my knees and was just like, you're hurting yourself trying to save your own shattered expectations. And all I was doing was hurting myself more. And I had to make a decision was I going to try and stay and put impossibly broken pieces back together of my own expectations and desires and wants and dreams? Or was I just going to let all of that go and take the Lord's hand and walk through that door for what he had for me? My friends, it is time to give up 
our desires, our hopes, our dreams, our ambitions, and our expectations. God is calling each and every one of us into higher dimensions in the spirit. And this is what I really feel here. God is truly calling this church. He's calling each and every one of us from the, from the littlest of the kids to the oldest of us in this place. God is calling each and every one of us into higher dimensions in the spirit. God is calling each and every one of us to come closer to him. And I'm telling you right now, God wants to do something with this church that has never been done before. He wants to use each and every one of us for his great end time global harvest. If we can get a hold of this, I prophesy to you, this church will step into an area of the dimension of the spirit of miracles. I prophesy to you that we will start walking in the gifts of the spirit every day, every moment, every hour. If we can just start walking in the spirit. There are close to 8 billion people on this planet. And Jesus is calling you and I for such a time as this to fulfill his great commission. To see all 7 point something billion souls repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I want to tell you right now, it is the will of God to see all 7,000 some odd people in the city of Catoosa filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you right now, if we can put this into action, if we can walk in the Spirit, if we can just fulfill the, the will of God in our lives, we will see a day of Pentecost in Catoosa, Oklahoma. I believe it. I believe it. It's not just meant for foreign nations. Why does, all, why does this only happen in foreign nations? Why is it that we're only seeing 3,000 filled in Brazil or 10,000 filled in, in Bangladesh? Why is it that, that that's the only place that that happens? God added to the church daily in the book of Acts. So much so that it actually got to a point where churches were multiplied. That it wasn't just adding to the church. It wasn't ones or twos or or thousands or ten thousands. It was multiplication. Joel chapter 2. And I I can give you scripture for the fact that God wants to fill every soul with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Joel chapter 2, 28, 29. And it shall come to pass afterward... That I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon my servants and upon my handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. God wants to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Listen, if you haven't received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you can receive it tonight. I don't care if you're in this church. I don't care if you're watching on on live stream. You can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost tonight. 
All you've got to do is lift up your hands, lift up your head, begin to repent, and then thank God for the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then begin to speak in other tongues. God will fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Church, tonight I leave you with a question. Are we going to continue to live our lives focused on ourselves? Too busy for the things of God. Trust me, I'm preaching to myself a lot here too. I've been struggling with distraction all week. But are we going to focus? Are we going to be too busy for the things of God? Or are we going to lay down our lives and pick up our cross daily? Will we continue to be too busy for prayer? Too carnal to fast? And too selfish to give our time, resources, and lives to the kingdom of God. I like what Pastor said. We need a baptism of faithfulness. Oh man, in our hyphen, we need a baptism of faithfulness. In our youth, we need a baptism of faithfulness. In this church, we need a baptism of faithfulness. Faithfulness to prayer. Faithfulness to church. Faithfulness to fasting. And faithfulness to God. Returning to our opening text, Matthew chapter 24, 37 through 38. But as in the days of Noah, as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. I find it very interesting that the things that Jesus lists here are eating, drinking, and marriage. None of these things are explicitly sinful. I know the world was particularly wicked in that time. However, none of these things, they were eating, they were drinking to sustain life, they were given and, and, and taking in marriage. These are things that need to be done if the human race is going to go on. However, what this shows is that in the days of Noah, people were far too busy for God. They were doing their own thing. They were too busy eating. They were too busy drinking. And they were too busy giving in marriage. <clears throat> if we can stand, if the, if the musicians could come. In Matthew chapter 22 and Luke 14, Jesus tells similar parables. A great feast is prepared, and the servant is sent out to gather the guests. In Matthew, we are told that the guests made light of the invitation. And in Luke, we were told that the guests were too busy. One had just bought a piece of land and had to go check it out. Another had just bought some cattle, had to go look at them. And another one had just gotten married and had to pay attention to his wife too much. The king sent out the invitation. The king sent out the invitation to the banquet. And people rejected him. 
In fact, in, the, in, in Matthew, it actually says that those that didn't, some of them didn't come, but some of them didn't just not come and make light of the invitation. They actually beat and slew the servants. They were too busy, too busy for the things of God, too busy, too wrapped up in themselves. Oh, man, I don't ever want to get that way. I don't ever want to get that way. I'm, I'm, I want to tell you this because I want to get back to this place. I don't want to boast about it. I just want, I just want to get back to this place. But there was a time <laughs> whenever I first got into the church, I'd quit, just quit doing drugs. And I'd ask pastor if I could play on the worship team. And he told me, you're going to have to wait a year because you got to go through discipleship. And I was all for that. But I had, I had to do something with my time. I had to do something because if I knew, I knew that if I got too bored, if I sat around for too long, I was going to go back to doing drugs. And Chris Scott, and God bless him, because if it wasn't for him, I probably would not be standing here today. He came up to me after a prayer meeting, after a life group prayer meeting, and he said, hey, man, I'm trying to start up some Bible studies. And I said, bro, I, I need to do something. I need to get to doing something, man. So we started doing Bible studies. Next thing you know, there was a group of us. Ashley, you probably remember. We all gathered at the Ray's house, and we had oh, just, it was just, we just read the Bible. We hung out, and I, I promise, there was no preaching. There was nothing. It was food, and we told jokes, and then we read the Bible, and then we, we, we left. Man, I'll tell you what, those were awesome times. Just reading the Word of God. But I began to fill my week out with the things of God rather than whatever else I wanted to do. And man, I want to get back to that place where it's no longer focused on, on what I'm trying to do, what I'm trying to accomplish, what, what my life is doing. But I want to get back to a place where I'm focused on the Lord all the time. Constantly walking in the Spirit, Bishop. I want to get to a place where I'm constantly walking in the Spirit. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 25 says this. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life will lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Friends, what are we losing our lives for? What are we losing our lives for? Are we losing our lives for Xbox? Are we losing our lives because we're just too tired and can't make it to church? We got something else to do. I just want to watch this TV show, sit back, relax. That's great. I understand you want to relax. But are you losing your lives in it? Are we losing our lives in, in, in worldly TV shows and worldly entertainment? Are we what, how are we losing our lives? Because friends, I want to lose my life in the prayer room before service. I want to lose my life on prayer every night. I want to lose my life fasting. I want to lose my life witnessing, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to lose my life, oh God, I want to lose my life for your sake. I want to lose my life for your sake, Jesus. Oh church, if anything I've said has touched you, has spoken to your heart, come to this altar. 
I think it would be appropriate that we rededicate our lives to the Lord tonight. I think it would be appropriate if we evaluated where we are in our hearts. What are we losing our lives for? Oh, Lord Jesus, help me to lose my life in you. I can tell you this. If we can reevaluate, if we can reorganize and restructure what we are doing, I can tell you right now, God will propel us into the supernatural. God will propel, will propel us into revival like never before. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus.